You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Very good evening to you and welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan in great form thanks to the scorching weather we've been having. And I'm just back from last weekend's Taste of Dublin, so I have some news to share with you from there tonight. Also, there's a visit to Bloom in the Park, which took place in the capital, and that gave me a chance to visit some beautiful gardens, one by Maeve O'Neill, who is originally from Limerick, and I also met Deirdre O'Shea from Agri Aware, whose garden was called My Land, Your Land. A visit to Springfield Castle in Broadford County Limerick revealed details to host a monthly market. And as we're in full swing of food events now, how about a gourmet beach market? Well, Niall Roach from Hooked Kite Surfing launched Ireland's very first one last weekend on the beautiful Duncanon Beach in County Wexford and we'll have all the details towards the end of the show. In the meantime, please send your messages and comments to me s.noonan at live.ie or you can tweet me at Queen of Org as in Queen of Organisation. So visits to markets and meeting stallholders feature regularly here on the programme, such is their popularity. The latest one in County Limerick is outside the village of Broadford at Springfield Castle, which is home to the Sykes family. I took a drive out recently for a tour of the historical property and met up with Daniel Sykes. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. I'm delighted to be here at Springfield Castle, just outside Broadford. It's a bit of a hidden gem. Tell us a bit about the history, Daniel. Uh, The history is the castle, I think, has origins going back to um, the Bronze Age. Just over to the right here, there's the uh, remains of an old bronze uh, fort, ring fort. So people have been living here for a very, very long time, from what we can tell. There's also the remains at the back of the castle of an old 13th century ruin, which we think is 13th century. And after this, then, uh, during the Norman times, the tower, which we can see in the background, was built by the um, Fitzgerald family who came over and later was uh, resided in by the Fitzmorrises. And since then, as time went on obviously other buildings came up um, and my connection to the place is my mother moved here in the 1950s from South Africa as her father or my grandfather inherited it from his second cur- uh, second cousin who was at the time the Lord Muskerry or Bob Muskerry and he was an interesting character in himself he invented um, the automatic gate he had changed his car over to burn on coal during World War Two, so it's a very like kind of like interesting kind of guy. The the tower here in the background that's just been renovated used to have turbines on it, and one of the back rooms here was an entire room full of batteries, which the turbines would then charge, and he would power some of the electricity from. So that's the history of it basically up till now, and uh, I'm currently here. Well, let's talk a bit more about the tower because you've great plans for it in terms of events. Yeah, well, the plan is um, it's going to be in the future. So what we're doing is the roof has gone on recently and it's been you've been inside and you've seen it. It's been kind of refurbished. It's all been done with oak from the actual farmland, which is really important. And it was done true to form as it would have been in the olden days. So there's no nails in it. It's all done through wooden dowels. And the guy who did it was a guy called Paul Price. And he's kind of a specialist. He's actually left an engraving in the top rafters in there. So it's a fantastic event space. It's three floor, uh, three stories on the very ground floor. It's almost like a kind of a chapel-esque thing. So we do get a lot of weddings here so a lot of the services and ceremonies are done in there and once we put in our service elevator we'll be able to use the second two stories and the plan is to have in there is kind of like a bar and restaurant type idea and we'll have a service kitchen downstairs connected to us now this is in the future and currently we're doing a lot of groundwork doing smaller events in different locations and we're currently getting our long shed ready for some summer events 
But yeah, the tower will become the main event centre for people to use for weddings, for private parties, family reunions, poetry readings, if people want to do reenactments in there. So we're completely open to everything. It's a blank canvas. The castle is usually rented out in its entirety to large groups. So it's not open to the public on a day-to-day basis, but you you have a market here that where people can come in on a Saturday. Yeah, this is just in the uh, in the pipeline at the moment, and it's going to be launching on uh, Saturday, June 10th, and it's then going to run for the summer months every Saturday from 10 o'clock in the morning until 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And we're going to be having it in the East Tower Courtyard where we're going to invite the public to come in. We're going to be selling some of our own salads and vegetables from the garden, some of our own uh, uh, like elderflower cordials, some of our preserves. We're also going to have a few different local food... Um, uh, food artisanal food makers who are going to have their products on sale as well and we'll also be doing teas and coffees and crepes and some different uh, vegetarian foods as well and also we're hoping to get the thrifty chair um, revamp furniture company involved for some of our seating and table needs so it should be a great day for like families people interested in food or if anyone wants to just come out and kind of hang out in a nice space you grew a lot of your own produce here yeah we do since uh, myself and Ali came back in October we have our own plot over on the farm and then in the springtime we actually took on this garden here as the previous uh, occupant Quivine left so we've just got our tunnel as you can see we're standing in it right now we've just got a new tunnel set up and we're aiming to produce as much food as possible that we can for ourselves but also for our events and also for our internal catering that we do in the castle for weddings and stuff we want to push as much homegrown food as possible and try to not be um our main aim is to not try and buy vegetables that have been flown from spain or peru we want to try and control as much of the growing process as we can uh, we're not organic but we would say we're chemical free so we use organic practice but we're not going for organic certification but everything grown here is grown with no chemicals this is a walled garden yeah so it dates back, it has a lot of history. Yeah, it definitely does. This would have produced originally all the food for the castle. At one point, I've heard stories that there was 18 staff members working on the gardens. So it would have been quite a big undertaking at the time. So we're just bit by bit, as you can see, it's a huge space and we're only utilising a very small amount. But in the background, you can see down there, there's the plastic down. So we're doing a no-dig garden that we've uh, tried. It was Jim Cronin from Claire's idea. He had it in this month's Organic Matter. So we're going to try and do that as well. So apparently it's the um, the farming technique for the future that we'll all be using. So he said we get on early and try it out. And I see some hives over in the corner as well. Yeah, my dad and my partner Ali are actually doing the hives together. So he's training her in right now. So she's just waiting on a, uh, a bee suit that fits her. <laughs> Fantastic. So is there honey? Like you talked about your preserves there. Yeah. Do you do jams and chutneys and honey as well honey we do as well um at the moment that won't be on sale uh because a we've eaten all this year's stuff and b we need to get to get it to a premises that's hasop um hasop certified to get the honey extracted but we do make a lot of our own preserves we make quite a lot of my big thing to make is um incredibly hot chili sauces which i like making also um nettle pestos uh we make different chutneys like kiwi chutneys we make a lot of stuff with this time of year especially so tomorrow i'm spending the day making lots of um elderflower cordials and champagnes for the season as well oh fabulous yeah i'll have to try and get a bottle of that whenever it becomes available and you also brew beer yeah we've been brewing the beer just as a sideline well as a hobby thing and uh i was doing it before I left and I got back in October after being away for two years and I'd done a few brews with different breweries in South America and I got back so now I'm trying to figure out um, I have some recipes I'm quite pleased with so maybe we're going to start putting them into a competition or two and maybe at some stage we could look at getting a 
getting it into a more commercial type setting but right now we're just uh, still having fun experimenting with the whole process. Now, I was quite surprised to find out that your background is not food related that you're a music DJ expert. Yeah well that was um, I've always loved food itself I've always been enjoying consuming food and cooking food always that's always been a thing of mine and actually funnily enough in the collective of DJs musicians I work in everyone who is a DJ is actually a chef as well. So there was always a good um, melting pot of ideas and stuff going on there. But yeah, I was um, before I left, I was running a lot of events and working as a teacher at Limerick College of Further Education, which I'm going to be going back to in September. So after being away, I'd always been around farming and gardening and done it. But it took me to go away, I think, to get really inspired by it. And um, it's a kind of a lifestyle choice, change choice that I think I'm very happy I've made. It's very tranquil and serene and it's a very kind of noble profession gardening I really enjoy it uh, watching things grow starting them from seed getting to the point where you can harvest them and eat them and control things yourself is a very liberating experience I would say for me. You've spent time in a number of countries and most recently South America. Yeah we so we left in 2014 and got back so we were away for exactly two years just working on different farm projects different garden projects doing a bit of DJing sometimes, sometimes working in different kitchens and restaurants. So it was always a, a learning experience. Anywhere we could, we try and upskill and move on with the work. So we didn't do the traditional traveling thing where we were going to all the sites. We'd often try and find places a bit more out of the way and spend two months some places. And sometimes we kind of got a bit stuck, but loved it. We spent we went for six weeks to Chile and spent uh, 10 months in the one place just managing a garden. So, yeah, it was a great experience. You talk about being inspired through those travels. Mm-hmm. Whenever you went away, was it always your plan to come back and become part of the business here? I think it could have been there in the background in my head uh, or knowing it was an option maybe. But uh, for a long time, no, I didn't really see myself as... um I wasn't quite sure what I was doing, but I think after been involved in different projects and then as I got a bit older my passion for food got a lot stronger and growing things and it's just a very good opportunity to have and a great space to utilize I mean as you can see you look around now in springtime and summertime and it looks fantastic it's a really nice place it's very quiet and there's plenty of good soil here for us to grow things and for us to we have a I suppose I suppose a captive market already as there's guests coming here so we have something to you know for the food to to go to and stuff so we're very lucky in that respect. If you had a crystal ball and you could see into the future five, ten years' time, what do you see whenever it comes to Springfield? When it comes to Springfield, what I suppose I'd love to see, I'm not sure what the crystal ball would show me, but what I would love to see here is us having a cafe stroke restaurant for the weekends that's open to the public. I'd love to see that the gardens are thriving and that maybe we have more produce, that we have our own um, brand of produce, and that's what we're aiming to do at the moment, so we're just currently working on our brand identity, and that we're going to have our products in the shops locally, and and obviously have a nice shop here as well where it's you know, we can sell our own produce. Um, also, I'd see it as still being very connected in the tourist industry as we get a lot of um, clients coming from overseas for weddings and stuff. I would just see it as being quite similar to what it is now, but more refined in terms of what we're going to have as different services and stuff. I mean, we have all the forestry here as well that Jonathan started and Fernando and Jose work in that. That's an amazing amenity in itself. I mean, having all this woodland there and stuff. So tying everything together and having a very strong product. No better man, I'd say. Mm-hmm. It is a, it's a great facility, great business, it's, and it's a beautiful place as well. I've just been blown away by it. If people want to find out about the events and everything you talked about, where's the best place for them to go? Uh, the most interactive one would be the Facebook page. So if you just type in Springfield Castle, uh, County Limerick, you'll find us. And also you can check the website as well, and that's www.springfieldcastle.com. Fantastic. Thanks so much for having no, me today. No, thank you very much. 
You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break I was in the beautiful surroundings of Springfield Castle in Broadford, County Limerick. And after that visit I went to the first market that Dan mentioned. That was on June the 10th. A great atmosphere and some fab products. So I'm very much looking forward to the next one in July. Do keep an eye on the Springfield Castle Facebook page for that date whenever it's announced. If you are just tuning in, you can catch up with Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 9 o'clock and the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and you can also use your podcast app. And now it's also on the taste.ie website, voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine. So there's absolutely no excuse and no need to ever miss a show again. And still to come on the programme this evening, I'll be talking to Niall Roach about Ireland's first beach market, which is going to take place every Sunday in Duncanon in County Wexford. And I'll also be sharing some chats with Jim O'Brien from O'Brien's Cheese and Kevin Hurley from the Teeling Distillery. Both gentlemen were working in the sweltering heat at Taste of Dublin at the weekend and were good enough to give me some of their time. But before that, we're going back in time to the June Bank Holiday weekend at the start of the month when the 2017 Bloom Festival took place in Phoenix Park. This year's event was a hive of activity with 22 show gardens, 13 postcard gardens, 50 floral and botanic art displays and 110 food and drink stands. And if that wasn't enough for you, there was also 100 live talks, demonstrations and family-friendly activities staged over the five days. An incredible event with beautiful gardens, and I visited My Land, Your Land, Ireland by AgriAware, and the Strawberry Bed Garden by Bord Bia. Let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Deirdre, this year at Bloom, AgriAware has a garden. Will you just explain to us what AgriAware is, please? Yep, so AgriAware is the independent educational body for the agri-food sector. So we're celebrating our 20th birthday this year. So um, our main objective is to raise the image and understanding of agriculture and the wider agri-food sector among members of the general public. So we do a lot of work through schools and we do, then we do general public awareness campaigns uh, like what you can see here today in Bloom. So the whole rationale for you being at Bloom and having a garden is to raise awareness about what AgriAware does. Just describe the garden to us here because obviously we can't all see it unfortunately. Absolutely and yes that's exactly what, why we're here today and I mean we're always looking for new ways, new innovative ways to engage the general consumers so I suppose agriculture impacts on all of us because we all need to eat and I mean it's only for the because of the farmers that we have this quality food available to us so we're here today in bloom with our uh, show garden which is titled my land your land Ireland so it's a celebration bringing everybody together whether you're a doctor from Dublin or a teacher from the west of Ireland or a farmer down in Cork it's bringing everybody together here today in this garden so our centerpiece here is a red uh, hay shed that you would see in a typical farm uh, when, when you'd be traveling the country so uh, within the within the hay shed we will have uh, various activities and workshops throughout the five days of bloom so we'll have chefs uh, we'll have um, 
representatives from the agri-food industry doing workshops we have school children coming in to visit our garden and then uh, the four corners if you can imagine a picture in your head we have our grassland area representing our grass-fed dairy and beef systems which is unique to Ireland Uh, and we also have a crop section we have our woodland area representing our forestry industry and we have our fruit and veg um, and then we have a paddock out the back and we have uh, some rainwater harvesting representing sustainability and we have it surrounded by a hedgerow for our biodiversity. When it comes to designing a garden of this nature, what's involved? Do you put it out to tender to get different designers to pitch ideas to you or what way does it work? So the way it works is we have a brief so we knew what we wanted to achieve from this so we put that out and we met with three different designers and we ended up going with Tundi uh, who's a Hungarian lady who, who designed the garden for us so she's been excellent throughout. So we, we started construction here on the 9th of May and obviously planning happened well in advance of that so it's, it's been going on for, for quite a while. I think it would surprise a lot of people to come along and look at it and think it wasn't here three weeks ago and in another week it'll be gone again because it's moving on. It's moving on, yeah, I suppose, and that's the, the beauty from, from our side in terms of doing the garden. We, we, we are always looking at ways that we can engage the general consumer. How do we tap into people that are not directly linked into core agriculture? And we felt a garden would be one of those ways that we could. Uh, so what's happening with the garden after Bloom, so Bloom will finish on the 5th of June and then our garden will be uh, travelling down south, uh, down to County Cork so uh, we are relocating our garden in Fota Wildlife Park. So the garden in Fota will be used as an outdoor classroom uh, so Sean McKeown and Linda and the team down there will be using this garden to educate people about the agri-food sector uh, and it will link in with their, their education um, scheme that they have in place already. It's great to think that it has a life after bloom. Was that always part of the plan? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. That that was part of the plan. I mean, we, we, we have to be looking longer term. You know, it's great to have it here for the five days and, and there'll be, you know, over 100,000 visitors here uh, to bloom over the five days. But look, it's great to have that long longer term piece and uh, I suppose look Photo Wildlife Park outside of Dublin it's it's the next biggest visitor attraction there's there's almost half a million visitors pass through the gates every year so I mean for AgriAware we need to look at platforms that we can get our message out there effectively so that was one of the ways we felt and uh, look we've been working very closely with the guys in Photo and we have developed a really good relationship with them. Let's talk a bit about the different materials used in the garden because you mentioned there the the hay shed is that reclaimed material that's used to build it Um, I see there's a lot of wooden kind of um, logs around the place as well and hey there's a lot of natural materials here. Yeah absolutely so our garden designer uh, would have worked with all the suppliers so the the shed has come from um, O'Dowd's in uh, County Cavan and uh, she has worked with a nursery in Kildare uh, to source a lot of the other materials as well so uh, it's been been all hands on deck for the last uh, number of weeks to, to get it all in shape. You have some animal pens. Are the real animals going to be visiting them at any stage? Unfortunately, we, we won't have real animals in the, the garden over the, the number of days, but we do have a farm uh, down the other side of Bloom, down where the, the polytunnels and down near the food village. So we, we hope that people will, will, will head down and have a look at our animals. So we have our beef cow, our dairy cow, uh, we have some sheep and we have some pigs. So we'll have live milking demos and we'll have some sheep shearing and other activities uh, over the five days as well. So obviously that's very important for us because that's the core of what we do is, is the animals. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people that live in the country are 
come from the country don't appreciate that a lot of city people have never had an opportunity to visit a real life farm and see animals up close and personal. Absolutely and look it's so important as I said I mean agriculture impacts on us all no matter where we're from what profession we're involved in we all need to eat food uh, and it's, it's important that we appreciate the, work, the hard work farmers put in and, and the process, uh, it, it doesn't just arrive on the plate. So it's great to, that people can come visit, see exactly how it happens. I suppose that's the idea, going back to the garden, that people can see the grass-fed dairy and beef systems, they can see uh, the pigs, the chickens, and then they can see the food produce on the table uh, from the likes of Lizzie Lyons and the other chefs that we'll have over the number of days. Well, we'll have to mention Lizzie Lyons, of course, because she's she's a Kerry woman and she's come up today to cook for the press. Yeah, and Lizzie's fantastic. Lizzie has worked with us before uh, launching our, our Incredible Edibles programme back a number of months ago so uh, we have Lizzie here for the day cooking up some lovely sausages and rashers and uh, a pork dish for us today so it's um, it's fantastic to have her here again. Well it's lovely to be here if people want to find out more about AgriAware where's the best place for them to go to? Yeah so they can visit our website which is agriaware.ie or uh, follow us on all the various social media channels so our Twitter handle um, and all our other social media is at agriaware. Brilliant. Thanks so much for talking to me and best of luck for the next few days. Thanks a million, Sharon. Maeve, tell us what the name of your garden is here at Bloom. Um, It's the Strawberry Beds Garden. And there's lots of strawberries in it, but there's also lots of other kind of connotations to strawberries and beds. Just paint a picture, if you will, of it for us. Um, When I initially got the project, it was um, was kind of deciding how to um, do the most for strawberries, how I could um, sell them and... Um, what I did was look at um, how strawberries were first commercially grown in Ireland back in the 17, 1750s. Um, they, were, they were grown down by the strawberry beds, a place called Strawberry Beds in Chapel Lizard, Lucan. And um, there was the Liffey running through it, steep embankments. And I decided to marry the idea of old and new um, in the garden here using large court and steel boxes that are very definitely shaped and to give the idea of rills as well how how um, back in the olden days that um, strawberries would have been grown in fields in rills um, what we have is now the commercial strawberry is huge big leaves lovely luscious strawberry itself and I have those um, planted side by side with these lovely ligustrum lollipop shapes so to bring in the fun element for the kids and um, it just gives a lovely contrast to the flowing tiarella that I have here and is more woodland feel. So it's a real, it's a lovely flowing combination of, of plant materials. And you have this beautiful water feature here in the middle, which obviously depicts the Liffey flowing through it. And then you have, it. it's not a bed, but it looks like a bed. It's the top and the end of a bed. Yeah, it's the bed end, yeah, the top and bottom of, of a, a bed and I've just made them into benches then using a very thick cushion to make it look like a mattress you know it's 150 depth in it as well um, and they just rest over a rill uh, with soft flowing ro- water running through it then as well. When did you start to do the build for the garden? The build I don't I hardly remember I think it was about 10 days ago something like that and I would have got the project just at the end of March so it's been non-stop since it's been the end of March but it's fantastic to see it like my kids are here today seeing it from drawing in my in my studio to realizing it now here it's really great like and it's only things only really come together and shape up and polished 
features are put in at the very last you know, moment when everything else has been cleared away. So it's really great to see it. You're from Limerick originally. Are you living in Dublin now? Living in Dublin for a long time. Um, yeah, so I'm um, from out the old Cretler Road, Redgate area. And uh, yeah, living in Dublin a good while. I was in art college in Limerick and taught as an art teacher for years and then went and studied again landscape architecture in UCD and um, find myself now in private I have set up a small private practice um, doing garden design and and yeah. a project of this nature now is it is it every garden designer's dream to have a garden at bloom is this your first time here oh it's my first time here um, yeah it's it's really great to get to get to bloom all right and it's um, it's a slow journey, like I suppose, as well, because I would have put a project in for Bloom, Bloom last year, came up with an idea, but I couldn't get sponsorship for it. So it's very difficult to match your ideas and, and get a sponsor to match up with you. So, um, yeah, I'm delighted that this is a, a new project, new concept, as in strawberry beds, and the sponsor was great to work with as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's great. Well, congratulations <laughs> on a beautiful garden and best of luck with the show. All right, thanks, William. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan. And just before the break, I was in the fantastic Bloom Festival talking to Deirdre O'Shea at the Myland Yourland Ireland Garden by AgriAware and Maeve O'Neill, the designer of the Strawberry Bed Garden by Bordbia. And huge congratulations go out to the designer Tunde and all involved in the AgriAware Garden as it won a silver gilt medal and a silver medal went to the Strawberry Bed Garden designed by Maeve O'Neill. So didn't I do well in choosing two award-winning guards to visit. The judges hadn't made their decision whenever I visited the gardens. If you're just tuning in, you can catch up on the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at nine o'clock. The podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. And now it's available on the taste.ie website, voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine. So still to come on the programme, I will be talking to Niall Roach about Ireland's first beach market, which takes place every Sunday in Duncanon in County Wexford. But next, we're staying in Dublin with one of the city's most iconic festivals. A few weeks ago, Declan Maxwell was in the guest presenter chair here at Best Possible Taste when he presented a Taste of Dublin-focused show. Well, last weekend, Taste of Dublin took place in Ivy Gardens and it was their hottest ever. There's no disputing this because I was there. It was out of the world weather and on Saturday I caught up with West Limerick cheesemaker Jim O'Brien and Kevin Hurley from Teeling Whiskey. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. Your colleague Rebecca was on the best possible taste recently with Declan Maxwell, Kevin, and at the time she said you were going to have a number of cocktails here at Taste of Dublin, but she couldn't tell us what they are. All has been revealed and you have three fabulous cocktails here today. Yeah, we are, we're doing a, a few nice summery kind of drinks here and we, we were praying for the weather and that's probably why Rebecca was reluctant to, uh, to tell you what the drinks were because we were really depending on some good weather and luckily the sun's out uh, for the whole weekend here. So we were able to go with plan A, shall we say, and do some really beautiful summery drinks here at Taste of Dublin. So the first one we're doing is really our, our highlight of the show, I suppose. Um, we have a constant stream of people coming up uh, tasting this cocktail. It's a, a frozen Irish coffee. So. 
Um, you know, during the winter time, we're big, big fans of Irish coffee down around the Teeling Distillery, and we uh, we decided to try and turn it into a summer drink. So we have some beautiful Tree uh, FE coffee uh, from a local Tree FE roastery. We've got um, some beautiful Teeling small batch uh, Irish whiskey. We sweeten it with a stout syrup. So we make that with uh, Galway Bay chocolate stout and we put in loads of lovely spices like cinnamon and clove and star anise and some fresh ginger and a little uh, a little home recipe there that we have in the distillery. And then just lashings of milk and cream and we use the slushy machine to, to freeze it over. Uh, and just a beautiful, it's almost like a whiskey chocolate ice cream or something like that. I was just going to say it's like slushy for grown-ups. That's exactly it, that's exactly it. So nice and fun, um, you know, captures the, the summer spirit a wee bit and uh, yeah, we've, we've kind of got a, a constant stream of people. We, we, we plan to do uh, let's say X amount and we've we've ended up having to go back and I was just down to the distillery this morning making up another 50 litres of the, of the mix so uh, it's, it's really kind of I suppose caught us off guard a wee bit the popularity of it it's, it's, it's really doing fantastic and I've just had a little taste of it there and it is lovely perfect for this weather today the, the frozen it's quite a thick one and you really get the kick of the tealing yeah absolutely yeah, look, I suppose what we're trying to do with these cocktails that we're showcasing is to show people that you know whiskey can be enjoyed in lots of different ways um, and you know a lot of people who come up to the stand and go oh no I never drink whiskey I say just try a taste of this and then they love it and then they order it and I go you see you do drink whiskey you just haven't had the right whiskey and you haven't had it in the right way so there's a whiskey for everybody and a way to drink whiskey for everybody too. well I think the second one is definitely going to be one that I'm going to like because it looks a bit mojito like yeah so the second one is a cocktail that we've been doing for a couple of years called the red leg rebellion it's uh, it's one of our kind of classic tealing cocktails now at this stage and it's one we're getting known for so really it's it's a twist on a classic Mai Tai it's got some beautiful pineapple flavors in there we use some orange liqueur we use a liqueur called uh, falernum which is a nice Caribbean spiced kind of liqueur with some uh, cinnamon and clove and almond notes in there as well um, and we lengthen it with some citrus and of course lashings of our teeling small batch Irish whiskey and you get this really nice tropical you know basically a sip of it takes you straight to the Bahamas on a, on a deck chair at the beach somewhere you know you sure do you know I have had a little sip there and it is absolutely fabulous and I think you're dead right about it introducing people that think they aren't whiskey drinkers to whiskey and the last mix that you have is with tonic and um, with the whole popularity of gin you're really tapping into the popularity of tonic yeah, absolutely look uh, whiskey and tonic is a, an underused uh, highball I suppose or way of, of mixing and really what we wanted to do is is give people a recipe that's so so simple to make at home or so so simple to call across a bar in any any bar that you're in you know teeling single grain we use for this one so our single grain is ever so slightly sweeter than our small batch it's made from corn rather than, than barley so it means that it's going to be sweeter in the distillate and um, so it works well with the, with the bitterness that comes through the tonic and we're using the fantastic Thomas Henry tonic here as well so a nice premium tonic water we we put a couple of dashes of orange bitters in there just to bring out the floral notes of the whiskey itself uh, and just garnish it with a nice big wedge of ruby red grapefruit uh, just again to evoke the summertime and add a splash of colour to it. Which one is the most popular here today? I think it has to be the Irish coffee at the moment. It's really, you know, we've got the big slushy machine up in the counter. It's catching in everybody's eye and uh, yeah, I, I, it's kind of getting a bit of a cult following. Uh, we we uh, very cleverly, I suppose, greased the wheels of some of the other tents and uh, some of the other food producers here and gave them a little sample taster and they're sending people our direction to drink it. So it's, uh, it's worked fantastically well. Fantastic. Well, my favourite is the Red Leg Rebellion, so I'm going to leg it now with it if you we don't mind. For you. We line them up for you, for you, so no problem at all. Brilliant. Thanks for talking to me. No problem. My pleasure. Thank you. Congratulations, Jim. You're at Taste of Dublin at the Bank of Ireland. Producers Row, how's it all going for you? Oh, this, is good. this is going very well, uh, Sharon. Yeah, we're getting great exposure here and it's, uh, it's very sociable. Look, we've had many exposures. You know, we're meeting lovely 40 people 
and we, we really enjoyed the camaraderie with, with all the, with the three other members that won the prize from Bank of Ireland as well. So we are, we are very thankful to Bank of Ireland for, uh, for, for giving us an opportunity to get exposure uh, in Dublin. You know, it's, 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 um, it's, you know, it's a great because people are asking us now where can they buy our cheese and we're, we already have no supermarket in Dublin at the moment so I think it's got to be much easier to get involved with the super values in Dublin after this. Obviously to invest in a marketing exercise like this would, would be hugely costly. Oh, so to be up here today and to have all that support must be amazing. It is because I mean being realistic there's no way we could afford to start because I mean as you know and if everyone knows any startup business you're very your funding and your cash flow is very limited. So uh, like it, it's it's a huge opportunity for for us to, to, to be able to win a start here. And uh, I think well I suppose it's it's an appreciation maybe of, of the quality of cheese that we are producing as well. We're getting a very positive feedback from from all the consumers here. We, our sales have been reasonable as well. But I mean, the, it's, 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 it's the feedback. And, and when you see people, when they come and taste your cheese and you say, oh, geez, that's gorgeous, you know. You can't buy that really, you know. Well, just remind us about what you have in your cheese range. Yeah, we have, we have a range of uh, four different, five different cheeses here today. We have a new feta style from Cowsbeak, which is, got, which is very popular. A lot of the restaurants in Limerick now have it on their salad menus. We have a um, cheddar with chives, which, which is lovely on its own. It's lovely in a, in a fish dish, just a great and a bit of white fish. It goes very well with that as well. And we have our uh, prize winning cheese in eight cheddar, which won the Kerrygold National Cheese Award last year. And we also have another, we call spice cheddar, which is really popular. It's the most popular at an event like this because Funny, in the shops the aged cheddar would be more popular but at an event like this the spice cheddar goes really well. Moreover the people have a beer with them, it really matches a beer and uh, this, this is, there's a lot of drink at this uh, festival as well. So the spice cheddar, is it proving to be the most popular one here today? Yeah, it's, it's very popular, which, as I say, there's a, there's a lot of uh, beer drinkers and the, the, the corporate world are very much involved in this show as well and there's a, a lot of free booze going on here. So. Well, I mean, it is very warm, so it's important for people to stay hydrated. Is it warm oh. enough for you? Oh, it is, yeah, as I say, we, we need to keep hydrated anyway. So it, it, it's very important and uh, we're lucky there's, there's a wine stand quite close as well, which, which is, as I say, cheese and wine is a marriage made in heaven. Well, great to see you here in Dublin and best of luck with the rest oh, yeah. of the festival. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you. That's great. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. So that was Kevin Hurley from Teeling Whiskey and Jim O'Brien from O'Brien's Cheese, who I met up with at the very tropical Taste of Dublin at the weekend. And just to let you know that Jim O'Brien's Cheese has won several awards. And last year, his cheese was recognised at the Listole Food Fair's Best Emerging Artisan Food Competition and Cheese Competition. Well, the Listole Food Fair is now open for entries for 2017. So if you are a food producer making products that are hands-on in the making and two years or less, in production. There's lots of different categories there to enter. Visit listolefoodfair.ie for all the details. On to our final guest of the evening, who is Niall Roach, owner of Kite Surf and Adventure School in County Wexford. I heard last week about Ireland's first ever beach market, and Niall is one of the organisers behind the initiative, so I'm delighted to have him on the programme this evening. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Uh, thanks a million for taking the call this evening. You're very welcome to the programme. Thank you. Thanks for taking me. A gourmet food beach market. It sounds amazing, especially whenever we've had such fantastic weather. Tell us a bit about it. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's just, it's just, the food market is on a little green space right in front of the beach here. 
and uh, it's a, right, an array of different producers and local artisan um, uh, market, marketers. So it's it's uh, it's fantastic just the, the different kinds of food you can get here. It's it's right in Duncannon Beach. It's every Sunday for the summer, June, July, and August. It's on 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Tell us a bit about the the types of food that you can get there because it is nice street food, but it's quite high end. Yeah, well, we got some of these smoking soul guys. They're they're from Folks Mills in Wexford. They're they're actually representing Ireland in the World Barbecue Championships in Limerick in October. Um, they're here every Sunday, and they're called Cluna Smoking Soul, and they have amazing barbecue food uh, like pulled pork, uh, beef, and and chicken. It's, it's amazing what they do and the salad where they have this kind of a meat platter you can get with lovely salad on it and they have like proper blah burgers and stuff you know so that's the kind of meat end of it the, the, the other one we have is we have a Cubslaw uh, fruit farm in, in Killinick in Wexford uh, we've, we, lock, we lock fruits from Enniscordy and we have hangry for hot dogs in um, they're from actually from Bolton class in Wicklow they come all the way down here every Sunday they love it um, it's just a really, really unique kind of place and, and atmosphere down here uh, and then apart from that we got a local girl kind of doing brownies and breads and then um, like an authentic wood chip pizza guy so it's, it's a good uh, it's a good array and uh, it, next week then we'll have a, a crepe guy coming You have the Kite Surf and Adventure School there so what incited you to, to try and create this market at the beach? Uh, I guess it's a green space right in front of the beach that I'd like to use and utilize a bit better. And rather than, than putting money into it myself and trying to, to do and build on it or do something to it, it's, it, it was just to get people to come down and, and use the space kind of as a as a green green space, obviously for people to sit around and tables and chairs and, and, and have a nice bit of music and the atmosphere. It's 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 ideal for it. There's only we only have eight to ten um, mark our stalls, so it's it's perfect and no one is no one is cross selling. Everyone is different and it's really really high end and really really good food. Whenever you approached the market traders at the start to ask them to come, what was their reaction? Were they supportive of the idea well, or were two, they a bit dubious? Two or th- three of them kind of knew about the village and had been here before. So they were, they were very excited about what I was trying to do. And then it took a bit of convincing for other people to come down. So basically, we've been building it for the month of June. And uh, it's, we've got a couple of really good Sundays. And uh, it, like today, the weather is fantastic. It's just people buzzing around the beach is absolutely jam-packed and and everyone is happy the traders are happy they're doing what they love to do and uh, the people are, are eating eating absolutely delicious food and everyone seems happy and the feedback has been brilliant from kind of local people and even visitors that you know it's it's, it's great to even if you come down to the beach and you don't know about the market the next thing you're like oh what's going on here and you go up and you know you get a big massive punnet of strawberries and you do ice cream and you have you get a coffee and you get something sweet and then you can bring home your your veg for the week, or you know, it's it's it's, it's brilliant. I'm not familiar with Duncannon Beach, but I do hear that it is a fabulous beach. Yeah, it's roughly a kilometer long. It's really firm, flat sand. Um, it's quite safe. The water is really flat and shallow, um, so you're never out of your depth. You can walk out for you know a couple of hundred meters, and you'll never be out of your depth. So it's it's really safe for kids. Uh, also good for kite surfing. This is why we chose here. Um, you can actually drive onto the beach. There's not many beaches in, in Ireland where you can drive on, but you can drive on here. And it's really good for, for people, kind of elderly people and, and, and um, disabled people. They can drive on the beach and, and pop out. 
Um, and then there's a section of the beach where there's no cars. So like, I have young kids, a four-year-old and a one-year-old, and one on the way. So the, we kind of use the section of the beach where there's no cars. It's a, it's a little bit safer, obviously. Um, there's lifeguards on duty here all summer, and there's public toilets here as well. And I mean, all the amenities are right overlooking the beach, so you don't have to go too far to, again, get a coffee or get something to eat, or even if you want to get pub grub or, you know, high-end restaurants. They're kind of not far from the beach or at walking distance. Are you Duncanon born and bred yourself? I am, yeah, yeah. Born here in Duncanon, yeah. I grew up here. I, I lived up near Dublin for 10 years and, and always wanted to move back. And I moved back in 2009 and set up a, the kite surfing school that I'm running now. And how's that all going for you? It's going great, yeah. It, it's absolutely, it, it's it's the base of my business. But I, every year I like to do something a little different, add a, add a little thing to the business that just brings in more people and, and adds to the village. Would you have travelled a lot yourself? Because I find that people that surf, they would go abroad a lot to different parts of the world where surfing is very much the in thing. Yeah, we do a lot of trips abroad, actually. Um, I've travelled a lot even before I became an instructor. Um, kite surfing, just bring your board and your kite and off you go. I've done a round-the-world trip with it. And uh, quite recently, we do we do run trips to Sri Lanka. We bring groups over there. We teach them over there. And we actually do a bit of snow kiting in the French Alps as well, using the kites and skis to pull you up the mountain and stuff. So, yeah, we do quite do a lot of that in, in, in the winter months when it's a bit cold on, on the Irish shores. And you mentioned Sri Lanka there. Did I read that through the summer that you're going to have a variety of special guest food stalls? And one of them yeah, is the Sri Lankan Yeah, I've spoken to some Sri Lankan chefs that, that work in restaurants and eateries um, in, in the vicinity. And I've asked them would they come maybe one or two Sundays during the summer and even just give tasters of their food. Because what I'm trying to say to them is maybe 60 or 70% of the people on the beach don't actually go into the pub or don't want to go to the pub but even though you know and so I'm kind of pitching to them like you're, you're just going to open up your whole market you give a little taster of your food for a couple of euros and then when the market is not here maybe they'll go into your eatery then and, and eat there in you know September, October, November so um, um, yeah I've spoken to El Sombrero in, in Waterford um, they're, they're going to come one or two Sundays in the summer so I like to mix it up a bit because you don't want to if people come every week they would like to taste something different and try something new and, and, and adventurous you know are you a bit of a food enthusiast yourself? Um, well, my wife does a lot of the cooking. I do like cooking, but it's it's finding the time. And I do, I, yeah, I love I love my food. I even even at the weekend there, I was in um, a local eatery, Aldridge Lodge, with my wife. It was her birthday, so I went out there. So I do, I do love I love my food. But then, when you have a busy day like uh, like like we, we've had today, I'll probably go home and have uh, super noodles or something tonight because we're just so tired at the end of the day, you know. Yes, we all we all like a packet of super noodles every now and <laughs> again, yeah. I must confess. <laughs> well, it sounds like a great initiative, so congratulations to you for the Thank innovation you. and bringing something extra to the beach there. I hope it goes fantastic all summer. It certainly sounds that it's just going to become more energised as the summer goes on with all the different ideas and bringing different people along to it. If listeners want to get more information, where is the best place for them to go to? Well, I've got a website, um, Hooked kitesurfing.ie or there is a Facebook page for the Beach Gourmet it's, it's basically facebook.com forward slash gourmet beach market and uh, a lot of information is on there that you need um, it's very active and uh, we do a lot of live feeds and stuff in there and interviews with the with the guys doing markets every week to see what they're doing so it's it's um, it's, it's quite good and all the local people are getting to know that the producers and where they come from and find a little bit more out about about the food where, where their food is coming from and what farm and stuff like that so it's it's quite interesting even for kids you know to come over and uh, and see them 
you know, talking to the, to the guys about, about their foods. Yeah, it's great. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for talking to me about it this evening and enjoy the fine weather. You're welcome, Sharon. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. So that's it for tonight. Before you go, a shout out to a couple of events coming up. Best-selling author and Limerick local Roisin Meany will be at Gallagher Seafood Restaurant in Bonradi this Saturday the 24th of June for a reading of her latest novel The Street Where You Live. Following on from the successful lunchtime event last year Gallagher's are very much looking forward to hearing Roisin read from her latest novel in the comfort of the beautiful thatched cottage that houses their award winning restaurant. The event will be complemented by light refreshments from the Gallagher's kitchen, a book raffle and a Q&A session with Roisin herself giving an opportunity for her fans to ask all their most pertinent questions. So you can email info at gallahersofbonradi.com to say that you want to come. So that is in County Clare. In County Cork, there's a weekend of events celebrating the old Butter Roads in Mitchellstown. And that's an initiative that has been developed by a network of artisan producers, food outlets and visitor attractions to celebrate the range of foods produced in the Muscarie, Duhallow and Avondu areas of County Cork. And it was officially launched earlier this year by Michael Creed, the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine. Free events on Saturday the 24th start at 10 o'clock with a guided tour of Mitchellstown allotment and then in the afternoon Mitchellstown Library will host a butter making workshop, a food heritage exhibition and farmer Morris Walsh will be there at 2.30 to provide an insight into a day in the life of a dairy farmer complete with cow milking demonstration. The highlight of the weekend is the food and wine tasting experience on Sunday the 25th of June. Guests meet at Ballinwillen House at 1.30pm home to the award-winning Ballinwillen Wild Boar and Venison, who has partnered with Joanne Sheehan from the Thatch and Time Cafe in Kildare to serve a range of venison and wild boar delights, paired with wines from Chateau Mulcahy, Longville House Cider and beers from JJ's Brewery. After that, guests embark on a guided historical walk of Mitchellstown, with stops at various points, including the Marketplace Restaurant, O'Callaghan's Deli and Cafe and Blueberry's Cafe. Preline Pastry Shop and Cafe, the latest addition to the culinary scene in Mitchellstown, will supply pastries and desserts to all venues. Yummy. The multiple food and wine tastings will be accompanied by music and busking, and that's all included in the €40 Euro ticket price available in Mitchellstown and various places. I think the best thing to do there is to visit the Old Butter Roads Food Trail Facebook page for full programme details. And all these events have been devised in collaboration with the Mitchellstown Heritage Society and Mitchellstown Business Association. So lots of interesting and entertaining events this weekend. And I've heard that there's a big fairy festival in Kilflin in County Kerry as well. So if you're out and about, please do enjoy. Thank you so much for your company tonight. And to my guests, Daniel Sykes, Deirdre O'Shea, Maeve O'Neill, Kevin Hurley, Jim O'Brien and Niall Roach. I'll be back at the same time next week. So until then, bon appétit. Thanks for listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. To get in touch with The Best Possible Taste, email Sharon at SharonNoonan.com or tweet Sharon at Queen of Org. As in, Queen of Organisation. Bon appétit.